Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. Find out how good you are. I know how good I am. Having three children with autism and being around them all the time, they make me better as well. If Wilkinson had missed that kick, I'd have been moving house. <laughs> but my favourite one that really made me was my love triangle with Triple H and Stephanie. And uh, how did you get this story? How did you know about this? Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. This podcast has been set up by Technolwood School and our aim is to teach our students new skills through podcasting. Each week we chat to famous sportsmen and women from around the world. We delve deep into their sporting careers, their highs and lows, and what makes them one of the best athletes in their sport. All of our students' hard work and dedication has paid off as we have recently won a Global Sports Podcast Award for the best equality in social sports podcast. That's enough from me. I'm going to hand you over to the stars of the show, which are our students who host the podcast, and I will let them introduce today's guest. Thank you. Technowood School is a school for autistic children and young adults, and we have set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to, to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a former England cricketer. Welcome to the podcast, Brian Sidebottom. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, looking forward to it. Go easy on me. We'll do. <laughs> we'll do. We like to start our podcast up with some quick fire questions before we start talking about your career. Are you ready? Yep, ready to go. Who is the most famous person in your phone book? Daniel Ratcliffe, aka Harry Potter. Whoa, yes. really? Yes. And uh Robbie Williams. We just want we're just wondering how did you get in contact with him? Well, believe it or not, um, Daniel is a huge, huge cricket fan. Um, on his 18th birthday, whilst I was playing Test Cricket for England, his dream was to meet all the England players and come in the dressing room. Um, so he came in the dressing room uh, during a lunch break or rain break 
and he got introduced to all the all the lads and he was probably more excited than we were because he loves his cricket and we just you know we kept in touch and yeah he's a really nice down-to-earth person so yeah I would say him and, and Robbie Williams you know the famous musician that was in Take That and Singer mm-hmm. yeah I played on um, FIFA and, and golf tournaments with him on PlayStation so yeah it's quite nice a very humbling experience if you could trade large with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Oh, well, I don't want to put everyone off, but I'm a massive Man United fan. And I would have to say Ryan Giggs. Okay. Because he's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you could go back to one year in your life, what would be? Oh, well, I'd have to say winning the T20 World Cup in 2010. It was such an amazing day. You know, to win a World Cup is is very difficult. Uh, to beat Australia in the final. So I would have to say 2010, that specific day. As a child, what is your early memories of cricket? Lots of fond memories, actually. My father played uh, for Yorkshire for 17 years. Um, and he also played football for, for Man United in Huddersfield Town. I sort of just wanted to follow in his footsteps. So those are my early memories, going to the cricket, going to Headley and watching him play. What are your memories of playing cricket as a teenager? And do you remember which cricket club you played for? Yeah. So again, had so much fun. Um, I was playing all around the Huddersfield League. So Homeforth, Meltham, um, Almondbury. So lots of teams in the Huddersfield League. So I had, had some great memories being part of a team and, and lots of different people and personalities. This subject was technically talked upon, but um, am I right saying your dad played cricket for Yorkshire and also played football for Man United? What yes. was it like growing up watching your dad? I, it was amazing. I mean, I wasn't born when he played for Man, when he played football for, for Man United and Huddersfield, but I got to see him regular when he was headingly playing for Yorkshire. Um, I used to go as a, as a young child and and wait for him after the game um, and go play around the back of the stand, you know, cricket, football, uh, rugby. Um, so, yeah, lots of lots of great memories. And, you know, I enjoyed watching my father and always wanted to emulate what he did in, in the sport. So you mentioned there, Ryan, sorry, that I know you said you weren't born when you played for Man United, but was, did he, was he playing when it was George Best, Dennis Law, Bobby Charlton? Was it that sort yes. of thing? Yes. Yeah, so he... He signed from Barnsley um, boy, School Boys as a 19-year-old and Man United signed him um, in 1970, I think, or 71. And it was when, yeah, so it was, there was Bobby Charlton, yeah, George Best, Dennis Law, Ian Story Moore, Alex Stepney, George Graham. So all the, all the Man United greats and uh, dad as a 19-year-old sort of mixing it with, you know, some of the world's greatest players that have ever I suppose grace the game, especially your George, you know, your George Bests and, and Bobby Charlton's. You make your first class debut for Yorkshire in 1997. What was that like? You make your debut. It was really nerve wracking. I was I was dead nervous, uh, knowing the history. You know, my father playing for Yorkshire. I grew up wanting to play for Yorkshire desperately. Um, sport was always at the forefront of my mind. So it was, I was quite nervous, but I ended up getting an early wicket, which settled the nerves. And it was away to Leicestershire in a four-day match. But Yorkshire had some great, great players. So as an 18-year-old making a debut, yeah, he's quite nerve-wracking. You played with some great players at the start of your career, such as Darren Goff, 
Matthew, our guard, Michael Vaughan, Darren Lehman and more. What was it like to play with these players? Amazing, but like br- brilliant. When, you, when you're so young and you, you're surrounded by star names who are just very down-to-earth, honest, hard-working um, people that you know enjoy what they're doing, you know, it sort of rubbed off on me how I wanted to sort of play my cricket and go out there and give it my best and, and give it 110%, always try to have those likes of players and learning from those players, you know, their experiences and, and the ups and downs of playing professional sport. It was, yeah, it was great, really great and enjoyed every minute. Do you have any funny stories from your time at uh, Yorkshire? Ooh, uh, good, great question. Yeah, lots of stories. Uh, some I can't tell. <laughs> but yeah, in, in the Yorkshire dressing room, we had, there was someone called the Yorkshire snipper um, and he used to snip other players' pants and socks and ties mm. and belts and shoelaces. So you'd, you'd have a long day in the field and you would have a shower, be getting ready to go home and get prepped for the next day and you would put your pants on and they'd be totally shredded. They'd be just cuts everywhere and you put your socks on and they'd go up to your knees. So the Yorkshire snipper um, used to just cut everything that you had, all your equipment. So it was it was terrible. And that went on for a very long time in the dressing room. So did you find out who it was? No, Adam, you know what? We didn't, to this day, right, everyone thinks it's me, but I promise you it's not. <laughs> it, it definitely isn't me because... I would never get away with it. But whoever it was, was brilliant at it. Because, I mean, he, he once did um, David Bias, our skipper, and he did his whole suit. Um, he had a beautiful suit. So he did his tie, his belt, his shirt, his suit jacket, his, his shoes. And he had to go home in his tracksuit because there was nothing left of his, of, of his beautiful <laughs> suit. Bless him. You made your debut for England in 2001 against Pakistan. What are your memories of your debut? Again, you know, playing at Lords, um, the history that surrounds Lords and and representing your country was a huge deal. Um, I probably wasn't ready to make my debut around that time. I was a little bit out of form, so it wasn't the greatest debut of all time. That you know, and it was disappointing. I didn't take a wicket, probably didn't do myself justice. But with that, you you know, you learn from your mistakes and going away and, and looking back. It was kind of the making of me as a, as a player because I knew that I needed to be fitter and stronger and work harder on my game. And, and I learned a lot from that day. But to make your debut for England, you know, is something very, very special. Did you feel pressure from, from your father at all? Obviously, people would have said, oh, your dad played for England, your dad played football for Man United. Do you ever feel pressure growing up? I, I didn't, Adam. But what I will say is... Growing up as a, as a young boy in my teens, that I came across a lot of nepotism and there was a lot of jealousy just because of my, my father's sporting history and background. And, and I found that very difficult to deal with as a, at a young age because when you're getting criticised for something that, you know, I, I'm just Arnie Sidebottom's son at the end of the day and I, I just love playing sport. And it, it didn't really dawn on me, you know, how... I suppose, bigger cricketer my dad was until I started going to trials. And and that was really tough to take. You know, parents going, oh, he's only at this trial because of his dad and he's only getting selected because of his dad. But again, I suppose that was the making of me. 
you know, when you hear that, you can go two of two different ways, can't you? You can give up and, and sulk and, and take it to heart, or you can go out there and, and work harder, try your best, give it absolutely everything and try and be better than everyone else on that field. And and it really helped me, to be honest. The criticism helped me massively because it just made me more determined to do better and better. You moved to Northants in 2003. Why did you decide to leave Yorkshire? At the time, I wasn't playing regular. There was a lot of, you know, world-class bowlers at Yorkshire and I was doing very well myself, but I was kind of in and out of the team. So, you know, I needed to move away, a fresh start, be under, put myself under more and more pressure uh, and learn from a very experienced group of players at Nottinghamshire and it was probably the best move I've ever done in my career to, to go there and, and learn and stand on my own two feet. Um, you didn't play for England for six years after your debut. Did it frustrate you that you didn't play for England during this period? Yes, a, a little bit. I was probably very consistent. I was bowling, you know, very well each and every year and never really got a look in. But then, you know, being experienced and, and learning my trade and, and getting older and wiser and, and becoming a better bowler, you know, to then come back and, and play your second game back at Headingley where I was brought up pretty much and was, you know, something very nice. Do you think England coach Duncan Fletcher treated you unfairly by leaving you out of the England squad for so long? I wouldn't say unfairly. I think uh, as an individual, I always felt I would get another opportunity. Unfortunately, it wasn't under Duncan Fletcher's reign. But coaches have different ideas and different plans of who they want in their team and it wasn't to be. So in terms of treated unfairly, I wouldn't say so. It was just one of those things, you, you either get picked or you don't. The Henshaw's Insurance Group is one of the top 100 independent insurance brokers in the country and is here to bring you peace in mind. We've been in business for over 50 years and have offices in Newport, Shrewsbury and Stafford. Our 45 plus strong team deals with both business and personal insurance and we offer a free, no obligation, consultations and quotations. So give us a call today. You got back into the England squad in 2007 to face the West Indies. Your first test wicket was Chris Gale. This is a brilliant first test wicket. Thank you. Yeah, again, it was, you know, to, to get a test wicket means so much. You know, all the family were there at Headley watching my mum and my grandma and my brother and cousins and everyone. And and I remember looking over after my wicket and they were all, some were crying, some were going mental. I think my grandma was like jumping out of her seat and causing havoc mm-hmm. and spilling her sandwiches everywhere over everyone else in the stand. But yeah, it was a special moment to, to get your first test wicket. You were your best friend in the England team? Um, I would have to say Graham Swan. Graham Swan is an absolute star, proper character, always always laughing, always always telling jokes. So Graham Swan. That series against the West Indies was a very successful one for you. What was the highlight of the series for you? I think just I, I wouldn't say there's any highlights during the series, but I would say just to get back into the England setup and take wickets and believe that I am good enough to play in that environment. So it was just to to get back in the side and, and take some wickets and prove that I, I was good enough. 
Your first tour with England was in Sri Lanka. Did you enjoy touring with England? Yeah, absolutely loved it. I'm very lucky to travel the world and go to very beautiful places and stay in, you know, stay in nice hotels and be with your friends pretty much. So, yeah, very lucky. And Sri Lanka was, you know, such a beautiful place. And, you know, to tour anywhere, we are very fortunate as England cricketers um, to be able to do that. You must have some funny stories from your time uh, with England. Do you have any you can share with us? Yeah, we were on the team coach and the bags, the team coach sort of hold all underneath the players, where the players sit. Um, it opened while we're on the motorway and all the <laughs> there was one bag just <clears throat> driving down the motorway on its own and I was laughing my head off going, ha ha, look at that bag, who's is that? And guess what? It was mine. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did you get it back? I got it back. It was in a bit of a state, but it, it was all right. You then toured New Zealand and took a hat-trick. Can you tell us about the moments, please? Yes, certainly. It was um, it, throughout your career to, you know, to do achievements or make history or do th- something special. You know, is is very nice and it's part of history, cricketing history. And New Zealand, you know, my parents were there watching on that specific day. So to take a test hat-trick was such a nice feeling in front of the Barmy Army and all the England fans, they were all going wild. So a very, very special emotional moment, actually, because my my father, Arnie, who who played professional sport, as I, as I said, didn't like watching um, he played because he always he was a nervous wreck. He got really nervous and he bowled every delivery for me. So, but he was there on that tour and he he was, you know, he's really emotional to see that I'd, you know, his son had taken a test hat trick. So it was a really nice moment, a nice family moment. Did the Barmy Army have a song about you? Yeah, they had they had two songs. I can't totally remember it. Something like side bottom, side bottom swings it through the air, or something like that. But yeah, the <laughs> the Barmy Army have songs for every player that plays international cricket, and I don't know how who comes up with them, but they are fantastic. And you know that is such a, a boost when you're hearing them sing your name and chant your name. It just gives you that extra two or three percent when you're playing to do even better because you know they want you to do so well. During that tour, you were involved. In a controversial clash with Grant Elliott, can you tell us about that moment, please? And if you could go back, do you think England would have changed their decision to get Elliott out? Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes in the heat of the moment, you all sometimes do the wrong things. And, you know, we apologised as a group of players afterwards. But the reason for it was that I was genuinely going for the ball and I didn't even see the batsman. And if he runs into you, um, you are entitled to to run him out. But it's not really within the spirit of the game. And at that time, it wasn't within the spirit of the game. So, you know, it was something that Paul Collingwood, um, as captain, regretted massively. But, you know, you apologise and you learn from it. And, And what I'm sort of saying to you, boys, is that we all make mistakes and we all do things that we might regret or that are not. Um, ideal but you know you you apologize and you move on from it and you learn from it and that was what we did as a as a team and what Paul Collingwood did as a captain 
I completely agree with that because I've mm-hmm. had a lot of those in my life and uh, I just learned that to like it's best to move on like you said and also have accountability for failures and then uh, try to upgrade yourself really. I think if you if you're open and honest and you apologize, people will respect you for that. And you know, you say, "Look, I've not I've not behaved in the right manner, or I've not done that in the right manner. I'm sorry." And how do I learn from that as well? And people will respect you a lot more for that. You won the 2020 World Cup in West Indies in 2010. What are your memories of that tournament? I mean, wow, it was such an, a special tournament to, you know, to win a World Cup doesn't happen very often. And just for myself to be part of that team, we played some fantastic cricket. We had some amazing players uh, and the brand of cricket that we played was was great to watch. It was entertaining. We were very ta- attacking as a team. So to win something like that is, you know, it doesn't happen very often. And just for me to be part of that, you know, that team and that, that set up and to win a World Cup is uh, something I'll never, you know, never ever forget. Uh, you retired from England in 2010. Do you make the decision to retire? And if so, why? Um, I felt at the time I was, I was 33. I was still enjoying playing. Um, I wanted to play county cricket for a few more seasons. And I just felt, you know, I had a young family traveling the world. I wasn't playing regular. And, you know, the training was was tough, really tough. And I just couldn't keep up with the training and, and being away from my young children at the time. So it was it was a decision I didn't take lightly, but I think it, it was the right time for myself. What was your favourite uh, tour with England and why? Oh, I would have to say India, because India is kind of the hub of cricket and, you know, a billion people watch Indian cricket and the people love it so much. The, you know, the people in India are, are wonderful. They're so kind and generous. Uh, you get looked after and, and the fans are mad. They just make so much noise uh, when you're playing India. It's, it is immense, honestly. The atmosphere is electric. You left Northants and returned to Yorkshire in 2011. Why did you decide to return? I suppose I would say I'd, I had unfinished business at Yorkshire and they had a very young team that was improving. And I felt going back to Yorkshire where, you know, the family history was and also to go home, you know, I'm a Yorkshire lad and all my family are from Yorkshire. Um, it was a, a no-brainer really. You know, I don't know if you boys have heard of Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow, um, Adam Live, Gary Balance, all... Yeah fantastic cricketers and they were all still very young and I, and I just felt that Yorkshire would win trophies and, and we, we ended up winning I think three trophies and when I went back to Yorkshire at, at the ripe old age of 33 or 34 so it's amazing It's a great achievement That's all right. You retired from cricket in 2017 looking back on your career when do you think you were at your best? I would say probably around 30s so when I was playing for England and, and weirdly enough, I retired just, I'd turned 40 when I retired in 2017. And I probably could have played for a few more seasons because I was so experienced and I knew my own body. I knew how to bowl on different start, start types of wickets. And, and I still love the game, but the body was giving up. 
um, the knees were very sore after bowling millions of overs during my career. So it was it was probably the right time, even though I still wanted to probably play a couple more seasons. As a podcast, we wanted to raise our money and give back to our community. Therefore, we have decided that on Tuesday the 14th of June, we will be doing a podcast marathon. We will be interviewing a number of different guests all day to raise money for two great causes. We have decided to raise money for two amazing charities. Both of the charities have been set up by guests we have found on the podcast. The first charity is the Little Rascals Foundation. This is a foundation that has been set up by former Wolves football footballer Dave Edwards. The foundation supports children with special needs in the West Midlands by providing exclusive play sessions, outreach activities, holidays, clubs and more. Our second charity is the Lewis Moody Foundation. The aim of this foundation is to fund vital research into brain tumours, reduce diagnosis times and give families affected much needed respite as well as the chance to create some special memories. We would really appreciate it if you could sponsor us and support either one or possible both of these amazing charities. You can find out how to donate by visiting our social media platforms. Just search TWS Sports Podcast on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram to find out how to donate. Thank you. You have the best hair in cricket. (laughs) Did you ever consider doing a hair advert? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cheers, boys. Thank you very much for that. Putting me on the spot. No problem. No, I would. I would. Well, I don't know if you know, but I was on Dancing on Ice, and they I got sent loads of shampoos and mousses and gels um, by John Frieda. So I absolutely loved it because, as you can see, I've got dodgy long curly hair, which I've always had throughout my career. Mm. So in 2019, you were on the season um, Dancing on Ice. Do you enjoy your time on that show? It was amazing, honestly. I was so bad at ice skating. I'd never done it before, ever, until I was asked to go on the show. And I, I promise you, I've never been as scared in my entire life. I used to fall on my bottom all the time. And it used to really, really hurt. And my dance partner just used to laugh. She thought it was hilarious. And my wife, um, who got me a bright pink Ryan Slide Bottom T-shirt, because I just used to, <laughs> I just used to slide everywhere because I wasn't very good. Um, but it was brilliant. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it was okay. uh, such a, an amazing show and and very nerve wracking actually. You know, you had nine million people watching you on a Sunday night performing. So it was it was really scary. I promise you, I used to forget my routine all the time and forget where which way I was supposed to be going. And um, but it was really good fun. Yeah, I had such a such a brilliant time. Do you get nervous like in like a dance on ice? Yeah, I got I got really nervous playing cricket, playing in front of big crowds. It's something that you do day in day out. So I was never really nervous when I was bowling or playing cricket. Mm. But when you're totally out of your comfort zone. Honestly, I was so nervous. I was hot. I was sweaty. I was shaking. It was honestly, it was a horrible feeling. But it was again, like I say, it was it was good fun, and I met lots of really lovely people. I imagine Ryan, the, the training for that was probably more intense than your cricket training. It, it really was. Yeah, we. So I in in the summer, I was told that I was going to be on the show. So the first of October, you had thirty hours intensive training just with a coach. 
um, to get you up to speed, even just to get you on the ice. I mean, I held on to the side for one for a whole week, pretty much, because I just couldn't I couldn't stand up. And then when you get used to it and you start turning and moving, that's when you met your partner. And we trained probably four or five hours a day intensively. And, and it didn't really change how I was at ice skating, but it was it was tough. It was a lot harder than I, I ever imagined. If you could have dinner with three people, who would it be and why? Okay, well, I love my music and I would love to sit and have dinner with Tracy Chapman. She's an amazing musician from South Africa. And I just love all her albums um, that she she brings out. So I'd, I'd love to just pick a brain uh, and listen and get her to sing a few songs as well round while we're having dinner. Secondly, would have to be, ooh, let me think, have to be Ryan Giggs just because I'm a Man United fan and I'm sat with my boyhood hero growing up. So Ryan Giggs, Tracy Chapman. And I will go, I want to have, I want to have a laugh. I want to laugh and, and have fun. So I'd, it'd have to be Graham Swan because he'd just have me in stitches all night. He'd tell, he'd tell jokes all night and he'd have everyone in stitches. So Graham Swan. Uh, adding to this topic, um, what would you cook for them? Ooh, right. Okay. Well, I would, t- for starters, I would do scallops with minted pea mash. So it's a bit, sounds a bit <laughs> posh, but it, it's not. And then I would, it'd have to be, being a Yorkshire lad, it'd have to be Sunday roast, roast beef, Yorkshire puddings, all the trimmings, Brussels sprouts, carrots, everything. And then I'm a huge, huge chocolate, chocoholic. So it'd have to be chocolate brownie with vanilla ice cream. Nice. Would you, would you, you two anyway? What would you two have? Come on. Don't, don't just ask Um, me. I'd kind of have like like kind of like just done like a buffet, so you've got like multiple different options, and then oh nice, I can imagine like a be- Chinese buffet but with everything. Yeah, everything, and like I've always wanted to try ratatouille, so ratatouille would definitely be on. Oh, that's that's okay, disgusting. disgusting. I haven't even tried it. <laughs> I'm not trying. No way. That's days. Um, Is that ratatouille with all the horrible vegetables like layered on top of each other? I love vegetables. Yeah. Ah, like- oh, fab. Okay. Yeah. Keep keep you healthy. What else? What what would you have for starters? Starters. Now this one's very stereotypical, but like because as soon as I hear starters, I figure um, chicken fried rice. Uh, oh yes, yeah. Chicken very rice. nice. Weiss, ben, Uncle Ben Weiss. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Uncle Ben Rice, the pound yeah. ones. Yeah. Uncle Uncle Ben Rice says nice. Like yeah. What else would you have? Chicken, like breast chicken with like spicy chicken. That's it, really. Then Uncle Ben's oh. wife. Then, um, do you like your spicy food? I love, I love, I, my love spicy. I like spicy food. food though, because like I'm really into it though. Actually. I also like spicy curry, I love spicy, yeah. Curry. Which curry though? Which curry, like balti or just the spicy curry? I'd say, like, wait, what was the first option you said? Sorry, like a spicy balti chicken, balti that's quite spicy. I think I like all the types. It's just like, I don't think I've ever tried one that's like really, really spicy, but like I have taste ones that they actually do burn my mouth and I like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, like, don't, whatever you do, don't have a vindaloo because you'll be going to the toilet straight after. <laughs> <laughs> what is vindaloo? I've heard the story. Oh. Because that's far too spicy. What about then, boys? What about, we haven't asked you this, I don't think, on the episodes. What about guests? After, if you invite 
one guest to your part dinner party, who would it be? Um, I think it's like uh, Michael Jordan and Shakira Neal and David Beckham. Oh, that's hell of a nice. Yeah. So you like basketball then? Yeah, I just into it. Like I'm very in- interested in like basketball. Have you watched the last dance with Michael Jordan? The, the... I've heard about it. Heard oh, about it. you've got to last watch dance. it. Last oh yeah, I've seen. Yeah, all, you've seen I've it. seen all of them. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's amazing. I have, isn't but it? I want to watch it. I've seen it. it's very interesting. So what about what about yourself? What who who would you have at your round at your house for dinner? Uh, Tyson Fury. Because recently I've even got his autobiography, The Fury. Yes. Really good book. Mike Tyson. Yeah. No, Tyson Fury. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Uh, Chris Chris Martin from Coldplay. Yep. And then uh, the singer Rita Ora. Because I like her songs. Okay. Oh, that's good. Good three as well. All yeah. right. You, you've only got Rita Ora for the eye candy, though, haven't you? Just, to, just to look at. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Nice <laughs> we received lots of messages on social media and our email from our listeners about autism. So we decided that each week on the podcast, we want to answer some of your questions. So it is time for... Autism Question of the Week! So this week's question that comes from a listener is, what are the positive aspects of being autistic? Well, um, the positive aspects, in my opinion, um, from having autism myself and just autism in general, is um, one of the uh, things that I have in autism, uh, with my diagnosis, is um, I have echolalia. Well... I saw signs I had it in my childhood, but also my dad coincidentally has it. So, for example, like a real life quote, we just say, or like something from a game or a movie would be like implemented in real life. The other thing is, I get more of a understanding on different people in the spectrum. Whereas if I wasn't autistic, I'd probably be more like unaware and just it'd be like alien to me about um, different people on the autism spectrum. You have recently become a coach at Yorkshire. Do you think Yorkshire are moving in the right direction after their racism issues? Yes, definitely. You know, I was only there just to help. But again, because again, because Darren Goff is a very good friend of mine. I grew up following in Goffy's footsteps. Always wanted to emulate Darren Goff and the way he played cricket. So he just asked me back to to help the club out. And and yes, you know, I've said it on many many occasions. There's you know, cricket is is a wonderful sport for bringing um, people together, communities, you know, diverse communities, anyone from ethnic backgrounds, black, white, you know, you're just together, you have that team spirit and team camaraderie. And I feel that Yorkshire need to move, you know, in, in the right direction. And I think the club will be better for it in the long run. And certainly with Darren Goff and Lord Patel, I'm sure, you know, things will, will change at the club for, for the better. But we all know that, you know, we're all the same, regardless of colour or, or creed or religion. You know, we should just learn to to get on and, and love one another and be happy and, and comfortable um, in our own skin. And, and that, you know, for me, is hugely important. So, you know, racism is, is not ideal and it, and it needs to be shown the door wherever because it's not acceptable in, in any walk of life, especially now, you know, it's 2022. So I think Yorkshire will move in the right direction, most definitely, but it will take time and time to heal. What more do Yorkshire need to do to regain the trust of cricketers and fans? Well, I think it's just it, it's been more open as a, as a as a club and and allow 
you know, we don't want cricket to be an elitist sport. Um, we want everyone to enjoy cricket. And we know that sport can be quite expensive. And, you know, we want everyone just to turn up and play, regardless of, you know, if you're poor or if you're rich, it, it doesn't matter. You know, we all want to play sport and enjoy sport. And and for me, it, it changed my life because I'm, I've met so many wonderful people and enjoyed so many wonderful times by playing sport. And and regardless of where you're from and, and where you live and who you are and, you know, what colour you are, it doesn't matter. Sport brings you together and, and, make, and puts smiles on so many faces. So... I think Yorkshire have got a lot of work to do to to bring communities and and people together, but it will take time. But I think, you know, they'll have to improve on that. And I know that under Darren Goff, they will. England had a very poor Ashes series this year. A lot of people are blaming the poor standard of county cricket as the reason for England's poor test team. What are your thoughts on the county setup and what needs to be improved? Yeah, okay. Well, yes, it wasn't it wasn't a great series, was it, for England? I think team selection was a bit all over the place. Um, in terms of preparation, England, it was all over the place. They didn't have the ideal preparation that they needed to go into an Ashes series. But what I've always said all along is, where do you get your international cricketers from, from county cricket? And for me, it's the schedule that needs looking at. The schedule is so, is so important because... You know, you can't have county cricket for a month in April where it's, you know, it's cold, it's wet, the wickets are green. And then have county cricket at the back end of September where you get exactly the same scenario. So it's looking at the schedule where there's that consistency with county cricket throughout the summer. And, and I think it's also putting a little bit more onus on players wanting to play county cricket. Unfortunately, there's so much money in, in T20 in the shorter formats that you can't really blame the younger generation wanting to play white ball cricket and not red ball cricket because it's it's tough, you know, to play day in, day out and bowl 25 overs in a day. Who really wants to do that? So, But I think the schedule is hugely important that we get that right, we get the balance right, and we'll, we'll get more consistency within our batters and our players playing regular county cricket so they're prepped and ready for test matches. Um, you gave a good point about the Red Bull bowlers because those are ones like the really, really dedicated players to do, to do that. Yeah, you're totally right. That you know to to be to play Test cricket or county cricket, you have to be mentally strong, technically strong, fit. You have to be so fit. You know, to bowl 25 overs in a day is tough. Really, is tough. It's hard work, hard on the body. And you might bowl 25 overs and not get much reward as well. So you mentally, you've got to come back stronger each and every day. So for me, I, I've always loved county cricket because I love the challenge of, of bowling and pitting your wits and having a battle against uh, the batter and your opposition. So I, I love test match cricket because it has everything involved with it. England are still very well supported, aren't they? I think it's just trying to get county cricket better and more consistent, playing regular. I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Ryan. We really enjoyed speaking with you and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Pleasure. No, thank you for asking me. Um, it's an honour, boys, and you know, great questions. So well done to you two and 
keep up the good work at school, keep working hard and, and enjoying life and, and be good. Uh, and, you know, always keep asking questions of your teacher because um, they're the ones that want you to improve and, and be the best people you possibly can be. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the TWS Sports Podcast. Please follow us on social media by searching TWS Sports Podcast. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch some of our episodes in full. If you are listening to this on your iPhone, can you please go and give us a rain and review it? It really helps to grow our show. Thank you and see you next week. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.